Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today is Tuesday, October the 19th, and we gather around the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We continue to have this light shine on us in prayer as we pray the Psalms with Psalm 12. David cried out for help because he is surrounded by lies, wickedness, mistreatment of the poor, and vileness, strong language. And when we look at it, we wonder, um, okay, he is giving a faithful lament, but also the Lord gives comfort. We'll find out more about this as we not only see this, but we see Christ for the gifts are ready, ready for you. A special thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. We have with us today Pastor Adam DeGroat, who serves Calvary Lutheran Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, giving us God's strong word. Pastor DeGroat, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Pleasure to be with you today, Bray. Yeah, Pastor, so tell me, uh, last time we talked was actually in May, at least on Thy Strong Word. So tell us what's going on for you, your family, and the work of the saints at Calvary. Oh, just uh, got a got a Swedish exchange student that's working out well. Knox, uh, my son, is uh, firm, firmly uh, entrenched in fifth grade, doing very well. Melissa's um, uh, continuing to do well, and uh, the Calvary, uh, the Saints of Calvary, are doing very well. A shout out to them today. Anybody who's listening, um, uh, what a wonderful <laughs> congregation, faithful in many ways here in Calvary and uh, Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Um, so we're doing well. Thanks for asking. How about yourself? Oh yeah, we're doing we're doing well. Today is my son's last football game, and I saw that uh, Knox was playing football as well. He is, yeah. They threw him right into the quarterback position because you know there's nothing like sinking or swimming, right? <laughs> I tell you what, it for the Finners, uh... for the Finners, they just told us to go hit someone in front of you, and that's as much as we possibly <laughs> can do. So I'm impressed. I'm impressed. How's that going for him? That's right. It's going well. It's his first year of tackle football, so he's he's definitely jumped into the deep end uh, and has, has done well. Well, wonderful. It's great to hear about that. So, Pastor, today, I, one, of the, one, one thing that we've been doing is when we go through a book of the Bible, like for us, we just finished Leviticus, and there's a certain point of part of you that's like, okay, I need to breathe for a little bit. You know, I've got the Day of Atonement, I've got the offerings, I've got the laws, I got all of this, I need to pray for a little bit. And that's why we're coming to the Psalms. And so, Pastor, I want to ask this to begin our time. Why are the Psalms important? For the Christian, well, I think it's an, uh, important for a number of different different reasons. One, it's a, it's a historical prayer book, the song book of the of the Bible. It was used uh, throughout the divine service in the Old Testament. Uh, it connects us to our fathers and, and mothers in the faith uh, that have preceded us. And I think the other thing, especially, we'll see today, is that you know we're dealing with David, who was a real human being and and, and saw real things happening around him in this world, and. Um, lamented and, and saw um, things many, many years ago uh, that are very similar to what we see today. And it's not that we have answers. We are not given answers necessarily in the Psalms, but we're given Jesus. And the, mm-hmm. the, the reality that we're given that our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, to provide us with comfort and certainty. And it's, uh, our Psalm today really will address that in terms of how that saving comes, how the consolation is given to us, and the great solace we have in that. So um, two really great reasons that we go through the Psalms. 
And that's a great reminder for us. Our encouragement to our listeners is to use the Psalms as your prayer book. Uh, That's why we do this uh, in between the books, but also a good practice for us and for me. And I know uh, Pastor DeGroat and I have talked about this is, okay, we're not great at praying. So here's the opportunity um, to pray because the Lord has given us these words. So this morning, Pastor, I want to do a little bit differently. Usually I ask you to pray, um, but we'll just pray the Psalm. So I will read the Psalm. Um, and crazy enough, we're also praying and crazy enough when we're in the word, the Holy spirit is working. So it is, a um, a full meal deal of prayer as we pray the Psalm this morning. So a reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English standard version and praying from the English standard version. I suppose Psalm 12, I will read, I will pray the whole thing and then I'll end with the Gloria Patre. So we pray Psalm 12, save O Lord Yahweh for the godly one is gone. For the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that make great boasts. Those who say with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are with us. Who is master over us? Because the poor are plundered, because of the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord Yahweh are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord Yahweh, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. So, Pastor, how do you want to introduce Psalm 12? We can hear quite strong language, and it kind of goes from strong language to God. And I, that's what I love about this psalm is you're, 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 um, you're feeling lament, but you also feel comfort. How do you want to begin as, before we dig into this blessed psalm? Yeah, no, I, um, I, I think real, as you were going through, Pastor Finneran, in terms of um, how we began, and the English Standard Version treats it this way, but I, I think... The one thing, too, is that, that that brief introduction that we often see in our Bibles that says simply to the choir master, according to the Shemin, uh, Sheminith, uh, a Psalm of David, uh, is a really important introduction because um, what, and I was listening to some, uh, some of the commentaries and some of the um, other interpretations of this yesterday and found out that I think in Arabic, um, the, the Psalm is actually written uh, with an allusion to the eighth day. The Sheminith was, a, was an eight-stringed instrument. And so what we see is that this mm-hmm. psalm is, of course, dealing with um, how our Lord is present with us here and now, how he's present with David as he, as he uh, prays this psalm, but also um, how it is that our Lord is, is present with us up until that last, uh, the new day, or what we understand in the Gospel of Luke is the eighth day. Um, so that, that's really kind of an important um, you know, introduction. And then David really goes into uh, the beginning of the psalm with a, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, if you and I were to meet each other on the street, um, I I, I wouldn't really begin with a command. (laughs) But this is exactly what David David does. You know, usually you have the formalities that are there or some sort of a a prelude that, that comes before. But David just gets right into it, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Save can you imagine first. can you imagine this yeah. uh, Pastor DeGroat, is that we see each other again and you tell me sit down. 
<laughs> not even a hello, not a hug, not a handshake. I see you and your beloved bride and Knox, and you're like, sit your butt down. And you're like, oh, whoa, right. okay, all right, here we go. That's that's kind of what he's yeah. doing, right? Am I right on that? Is that kind of how you're saying he, it? He, I, I, I think I think we're given to, to see that he is absolutely doing that. And, and of course, okay. right. uh, you know, he's he's not doing it with, with any sort of, of animosity or with any sort of forcefulness uh, of himself. David is coming at this. I think we don't, we're not given an understanding as to what specifically brings David to pray this. There, there may have been some interactions with, with King Saul. There may have been some threats against Absalom, his son. Um, but more than likely, um, David is, is, is a man that lives within the same world that we do. That we do. And he sits mm-hmm. down and he, he, is, he is simply praying unto this God that he knows hears him. And he's ask, ask, actually asking him to do what only God can do. Save me. Save us, O Lord. Um, and he begins immediately with that knowing, as we, as we understand um, in our reading of the small catechism, specifically with regard to the Lord's prayers, that he is praying to a God that he knows will hear him and will continue to, pr- has promised to hear him and will, and will grant his prayers. And so something more along this line is that uh, that if I saw you, you would say something of a command of helping me in some way. You wouldn't tell me to sit down. You would tell me, you would say, help me. Um, uh, yeah. uh, something along those lines. That's probably a little more of a, a one-to-one, even though that's not because you're not God, I'm not God. That's not how this works. So, But he definitely oh, gets yeah. into that right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. You know, and you, you think about it and, you know, in, in, in many, many times and ways that, you know, if, if we were in trouble in some way temporally, uh, if there was a police officer that was nearby, we would go to them immediately with, you know, help me. If we, if we were watching uh-huh. a house fire, mm-hmm. we would go to, to a, a fireman or, or someone else and say, hurry, please, quickly. And that's, that's sort of the, the sentiment that we have with David is that he's coming to him and he's, he's, he's beginning with this. Um, because we understand. I mean, our Lord knows what we will pray before even we pray, because it's our Lord who gives us the words that we pray. And so he knows what David's going to pray prior to this. But David prays this in order that he might be reminded, um, first and foremost, really rescue us. But then he's really, really implying this word here, who needs saving and why? Who is it amongst us that needs saving and why do we need saving? And then the, the rest of the psalm really follows after that. And that's a great, it, it begins with that understanding of who God is. Much like you said, you go to a police officer, you're not going to start the pleasantries. By the way, I'm Brady. Um, I live down the street. Uh, no, you're, gonna, you're just going to say, help me right there, because you understand yes. who they are, and they understand their job. And their job right. is to do X. And God knows who he is, and we know who he is, and, and therefore we go to him like a loving father uh, listens to his uh um, his, his beloved children. So let's get into this because I really do want to get uh, really unpack this first verse that talks about saving. Why? You know, who, what, when, all that kind of good stuff. So let's let's dig in. You ready to dig into the verses, Pastor? You bet. Let's go. All right. All right verse one. Save, O Lord Yahweh, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished among the children of man. So, you know, I'm going to do verse two also. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. So there's two things here, and I want you you go in the direction you want to go. But obviously, we have a need for saving 
but also what is surrounding David? What, based on what we're hearing, what is surrounding him? So you start where you want to start. Yeah, no, I think it's good. And I think, you know, like I said before, is that we, we can see from the context that it's probably likely that Saul, you know, was, was persecuting him in some way. We see that in, in um, you know, the book of 1 Samuel, uh, specifically verse, or rather chapter 18. Um, but we're not necessarily given. And I think the beautiful thing about all of Holy Scripture is that, you know, it, it absolutely does deal with the time and the place of which the person lives. So David is praying because he's seeing these things happen. But we also have to remember that this word of God is, is inspired and fallible and errant, and, and, it, and it transcends time and space. It's God's word. Um, and so this is what, is what is being prayed by David in terms of his despair is true of any human being that has ever lived. And what David prays and to, to whom David prays is always true in the sense that he is praying to a merciful, loving, and gracious God who has promised to hear him. And we'll see that sort of ferreted out as we go through the rest of the psalm, because David, as he'll talk about flattering lips and those sorts of things like that, he's not talking so much about the, you know, not just the, 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 the persons who speak these things, but he's talking about the content. What are they saying? And he'll ultimately get to it as we get into it later, is saying the men of this world speak nothing. I mean, really, it's of nothing, of no consequence. It has no significance. But you, O oh Lord, are the one who speaks that which is substantive, weighty is significant, has long-lasting effects, is not temporal, but is eternal, or not just temporal, but is eternal. It lasts forever. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, save us. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, of course, yes, save us from, from, from the persecutors that are around us. Save us from um, those who would do us harm. But I think in some ways he's also saying, as he gets into this reality, the faithful have vanished or have been scattered on the earth. David's indicted, indicting himself. And this isn't the only psalm that he does this. He'll mm-hmm. talk about it in the later Psalms where he says, I see my sin and my sin is ever before me. Have mercy on me. And he's saying that also. Save us, yes, from our enemies. But the reality is sometimes our enemies may very well be us. Mm-hmm. It may very well be our own understanding of our own self-sufficiency. Lord, save me from thinking that I have to do something to take myself out of the situation. And I think that's, that's both are true at the same time. And so we also we get this feeling of of words that have been said. So he feels alone, and I know um, uh, you you've remarked on this that it is much like Elijah in First Kings chapter nineteen that he says, "I am alone." Is it is it literal? Well, probably not, but he definitely feels like he's alone. So, what was the connection you think from Elijah when he was like, "I only I am left," and and what David is saying here? Yeah, well, I mean, and it's it, we can we can identify with that, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. we we look at it and say, you know, whether it's Job um, and his many laments, or Elijah as he looks around at the world around him, or or David in his own day, or or us in 2021, we look at it and we say, my goodness gracious, you know, where has everyone gone? They're scattered. So we can identify with that. But then, what I love about this is sort of the um, the, the great benevolence of God where you can almost see that he's addressing Elijah, that's adorable, Elijah. Isn't that neat that you think these things? <laughs> but the reality is, no, you're not alone in any way, shape, or form. In, in fact, far from it. There are 7,000 that are a remnant that exist all around you. And that's exactly what, what's being given here to David, is it, the gentleness. And when I say that sort of adorableness that God addresses us in that way, he, he, we have to remember how inclined to love us that this Father in Heaven is. Um, he, he is not 
He is not coming to us to seek to, to, to provide us with any consternation in any way, shape, or form. But nor is he going to withhold um, any truth from us. He is truth, and he's going to reveal that to Elijah, and he, as he does here to, um, to David, because it's true. The faithful have been scattered, and they've vanished. They've been scattered around the earth because they've given themselves over to idolatry and all sorts of false worship. Um, and the reality is, is that David, we understand this himself, as we'll see this in Psalm 51, that David himself will confess that, that he himself has found himself falling into these sins, but he confesses those sins to a God who is merciful and gives him forgiveness. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I think it's what's so great about the psalm is that we're not looking at perfect people here. And David, you know, is not a perfect person. He's a sinful man who is in need of the saving. Um, and, and, and this Lord who, and God continues to give that, that forgiveness to him. And I like how you pointed out how he speaks about the lies, the flattering lips, the double heart that people speak, and he's fully aware that he does the same thing. Yeah. And I've seen this quite a bit in our own, in our own, my own life, obviously, but other, in my, you know, in conversations with people, just going through the Ten Commandments, you, you can't go through a confirmation class and talk about the Eighth Command with everyone realizing that yes, I do that as well. And and so tell 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 us, give me your thoughts on that, where it says utter lies to his neighbor, flattering lips, a double heart that they speak. What is he talking about? What did you find on that? Well, I think it's, it's it's fascinating because he's he's talking about it's just a kind of kind of a fancy word duplicitousness, and 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 you know you know where, where he's saying I mean really almost literally we are a people of two very distinct hearts, and and, and you know and and in some ways I think we see Paul revealing this in in Romans seven, you know I know what I should and shouldn't be doing, but I don't do it. I know what's right, and I know what's there, but I don't do it. I find myself doing it otherwise. And so there's a duplicitousness that, you know, David understands who his Lord is as the creator, the redeemer, the sanctifier, and the one who gives all good gifts. But he also sees not just other people living contrary to that. He sees it and witnesses it himself. And he's, you know, being mindful as he makes this comparison as as he goes forward is that it's not a prayer where he says, Lord, keep me from having flattering lips or these, these smooth lips. What he's saying is, instead, replace what would come out of my mouth with what would come out of your mouth. And he's, he's mm. praying that the words of his lips would be the very words of the lips of God himself. And so as we look at this, those first two verses tell us a lot. It tells us who God is. He is a God who saves. Um, it's, uh, David is definitely in a time of loneliness and also at the same time, he feels the weight of words that have been said around him. And that's why I feel like for you, our listeners, that this Psalm is for you. And this Psalm is for pastor to grow and to me, because we will feel this. And a lot of times it's ridiculous. I mean, we're surrounded by loved ones. We're surrounded by a church family. Um, we're surrounded by others, but we have those days and those moments. And Pastor, as, as you look at these first two verses, what would be your encouragement um, to the believers that are listening today, why these are very real for all of us and why it's important for us to pray the same way that he begins here? Yeah, no, it's, it's wonderful because, you know, David, David is already, as he's praying to have true lips, he does. Because look at what he's praying. 
he's praying not just against the flattering lips, but he's praying that, that the Lord would, would, would keep him from those flattering lips too. And the reality is, is that whether David knows it or, or doesn't, and I think this is the wonderful thing for us as well, is that to understand that as we are praying unto this Lord and our, God, and, and our Lord and God who, who promises to hear us, well, how else would we know to pray unless we had been taught how to pray? How else would we know the words to pray unless mm. the words had been given to us? And I think that's one of the things that sometimes as Christians, we, we look at it and we sort of look at prayer as a sort of high-pressure thing. But the reality is, I think, more than anything, is just to understand very, very simply that prayer is nothing other than just simply a conversation with a God who loves more than anything to hear our voices. There's nothing he loves more than to hear what it is that comes from our lips. And, and, and he knows who we are. That's the beautiful thing. And I think there's tremendous comfort in that. And once again, going back to when you talked about going to a firefighter or to a police officer, is you go to them knowing full well who they are. And here, we know we have a God who saves. And we're going to learn more about him throughout this psalm. And and it's it's when somebody, because I've heard people kind of remark, well, my prayer is not as significant as other people's prayer. Um, kind of like talking about those who are starving, those prayers are important. My prayer of just trying to figure out how to be a parent, a good parent, um, how to love my spouse or how to get through the day and not fall asleep in the middle of the day, whatever the significant or insignificant that we have here, we know that our Lord wants to hear from us, even as something as simple as saving us, which we know we already have, but yet he wants to listen. And he once again reminds us of his saving grace. And he knows, yes, he knows all of these things that are happening around us, but yet he still invites us to speak to him, even lament, which is an important aspect of our lives too. Pastor, I want to ask that as I'm thinking about this, is why is it important that the Christian is able to lament? It's a big part of this psalm and a few psalms in uh, this this part of the psalms. Lament is something that uh, he wants us to do, and why is that important? Well, and it goes back to that first, that first imperative that he speaks, save us, because you're looking at it and saying you wouldn't go to the fireman and say bake me a bake me a loaf of bread. You wouldn't go to the right, you know. You wouldn't go to you wouldn't go to the police officer and say, hey, I need you to babysit my kid. You know, the reality is, is that David is praying to this Lord and God, and this saving. And the beauty of this, Pastor Finneran, is this: this saving is, yes, of course, what we will know in in, in its totality on the last day. But David is also praying, save me now, save me from this, defend mm. me from these things, protect me. And, and in the, it's so comprehensive that we, as we pray these laments, and I think that's one of the wonderful things, is that we've often been taught as Christians that our lives are just to be you know, lives of praise. And they are, but praise comes as a, as a result always of what God has done for us. And so this lament that happens here is David simply, you know, think about it like this, but what is David saying to God that God doesn't know already? You know, it's not as if this is news to God. Hey, I, I don't know if you see what's going on down here, um, but it's really bad. <laughs> I mean, God knows this. But the reality so that David might know that even in that time of great sorrow and sadness and strife and persecution, that God is saving David now. And I think we miss that a lot as Christians is we know about the saving later, but we forget about the saving now. And that saving is guarding, protecting, and that saving comes, as David will talk about in the psalm, it comes constantly, constantly in the divine service. How does he save us? Well, we talked about this at Calvary the other day, is that we have a dress rehearsal 
I mean, almost a, really a carbon copy and if an accurate reflection of what the last day will look like as we begin every divine service. I know what it will look like as I go to the gate of heaven because I will confess my sins as I do in the beginning of the divine service. And it won't be my pastor speaking those words of absolution to me. It will be Jesus himself speaking those words to me. And so the saving is come and save me here and now and unto the end of time, for you are the only one that can. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So, Pastor, here's what I want to do. I want to do verses 3 and 4. We have about two minutes left before our break, but I want to make sure, because we is a transition, really, to 3 and 4, where it begins by saying, save me. Lord, this is a mess down here, as you said. I mean, like he says, not that God doesn't know this, but he laments and is like, listen, this is a, this is a real mess. And then he asks the Lord how to help him, I guess you'd say, how, what to save him from. So, verses 3 and 4. May the Lord Yahweh cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes that makes great boasts, those who say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us. So, Pastor, with about a minute and a half left before our break, he expands on these um, flattering lips and what they are, and he doesn't want them around anymore. So that's his prayer. What, where do you want to go with that? Well, yeah, I think it's it's literally David is asking for the lips to be cut off, uh, shut down, stop, you know, and, and it's an honest lament. And, and then he's going on even more so. I think the thing that we focus on is that latter part of verse four, um, where you what you see what happens is that people are, are as they're led to their and captive to their own words. You begin to see what it is that they say. They say, our lips are with us. Now, notice what they're not saying. It doesn't matter what it is that those lips are saying, which is different than what David is praying for. Lord, let your word be in our lips, because it is, it is your word that is true. And so David makes that distinction. They will say that our lips are with us, which is basically it's like what we see in, in the, you know, the idea that science will one day explain something. You know, in other words, human resources, human ingenuity are what matters. And that's what he's saying here. Our lips are with us, as opposed to we as Christians that say, no, our Lord is with us. And he gives us that sword of the Spirit. The gospel of our, and then and then they ask the question, which which is sort of a natural progression. Well, because we are in, so in charge of everything, then they ask the question, who is master over us? But you know, it's it's you then begin to see the great futility, which then David will end this psalm with, about why it is that people continue to wander around, and what does he say, in vileness and in confusion, and 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 that's what David is, it will end with. But he says, save us, protect us from that. Give us guidance now and continue to be with us forever. I want to talk a little more on the other side of our break about the power of the tongue, if you will, because James, you know, talks about how the tongue will curse human beings, but he also speaks about it in a different way. So God's not taking away our lips, as you said so well, but they're for a purpose that was not being done at that time. So, but right now we need to take our break. We are studying and praying Psalm 12 with Pastor Adam DeGroat. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
past year and a half, you may have spent more time with the youth in your life. But have you really been connecting? October is Let's Talk Month, so take this opportunity to connect with the young people in your life using Connect With Me, a free resource from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. Head to health.mo.gov connect or follow us on social media for conversation starter cards, resources, and weekly activities. This message brought to you by the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The prophet Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11. Begin and conclude your day with the word that accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. Morning prayer at 7 a.m. and evening prayer at 5 p.m. Weekdays on KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. The broadcasts of morning prayer and evening prayer are underwritten by Lutherans for Life. Welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 12 with Pastor Adam DeGroote. And Pastor, we look at James chapter 3, and it speaks about the power of the tongue when it says, So the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. So David clearly has felt the small fire, the ablaze that came. You know, the little tongue caused a great ablaze. And so we're hearing this, and he's saying, hey, get rid of that. <laughs> Not only for them, but also for me. And we ourselves have felt the weight of words that were sinful or lies that were done for us or words that did not uplift us but put us down as questioning our identity as a child of God. So, so that, to me, this captures it so beautifully. But he kind of is leading us, you know, in a wonderful way to how words are used in, in a good way and also to God's word. How do, you, how do we live in that dynamic as Christian people as we know what the dangers of words can be and also what they're meant to be for us as his children? Yeah, and I think you know it's, it's a good question. I mean, you know, looking at uh, there's a great book called Reading the Psalms with Luther, and and, and Luther talks mm -hmm. about this too. Is that what he's saying is that you know when human doctrine comes in, and that's just the ways of men. It's just our own understanding, the ways we've always done things. What 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 Luther then says is that it increases more and more and more. And why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it increase more and more? These are fleeting things. These are the the, the wisdom of men. And I think about this too. Is I played football, you know, back when I was young, younger, and, and a little more fit. Um, and, you know, you'd meet those guys that, you know, would puff themselves up, but then, you know, you, you got onto the football field and realized, well, wait, it was all bluster and, 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 and pomp. And, and this is what, 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 what James is saying here is that, okay, the tongue, you know, it's, it's what comes out of us that, that, that defiles the man. It's namely our words because it shows us what's in our hearts. But this, this speaking of words, um, which David has already talked about in the sense of, you know, these words that are, that are smooth, they're, they're, they're spoken um, to, to either puff us up or a thousand different reasons. Um, um, they, they, they are there, they bring us up, but the reality is that we almost have to continue to perpetuate the lie in order to believe that it's true. 
And so David's asking that that would be cut off. In other words, that he would see the truth, because he's really praying in this psalm for substance, for weight, for the things that I think you and I as pastors have heard over this last 569 days I've been keeping track, um, Mm. where our people have said, well, who will tell me the truth? Who can I trust anymore? And I think this lament of David is, is similar to the lament that we have uh, amongst us now, is that we need someone to tell the truth in the midst of all this. Um, because we're seeing countless times all around us, the people are saying, our lips are with us. In other words, our expert understandings of this are true. Trust us with regard to this. Um, and, and, and then they ask the questions, ultimately, that David presents in the latter part of that verse. Well, who's Lord and Master over us? In other words, you then begin to see this tribalism and this fighting that exists amongst human beings. And so David prays that that would not be so amongst us, especially as the children of God, um, not for the sake of unity and peace necessarily. That comes. But for the sake of our own well-being and the certainty that our Lord and our God is the Lord of all. He has died for all, and his mercy is for all. And so he's praying this for these individuals because what he sees is countless times how they think, you know, this, this thinking that they, need, that they need to build themselves up is counterintuitive. It is not what God preaches. It is not what God gives us. God says, I have made you. I have recreated you. I have made you perfect. But what David sees is that there's these people who will continue to think um, that they have to build themselves up. So it's, 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 it's wonderful that it transitions, as we'll see in the next verses, about what it is that, you know, that Yahweh himself says, well, how he comes to us and, and why he comes to us. It's a transition from one through four to from David speaking to the Lord speaking. So yep. anything else you want to highlight about David's words versus one through four? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm looking at it and saying, you know, here David is, is, is ultimately getting to this point where um, – he is confessing uh, in, in totality his fatigue, his worry, his tiredness, et cetera, so on. I'm poor, I'm downtrodden, I've been plundered, and I'm needy. I'm needy of what only you can give. And, 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 and he almost then, um, how do you say, you know, it like goes back to the analogy we had before the police officer. If, the, if you go to the police officer and the police officer just puts his hands in his pockets and walks away, um, <laughs> uh, that's a really bad deal, you know. In the similar way as this, if the fireman just walks away and doesn't then attend to what it is that's going to happen. So David, there's almost a pause that comes, and then all of a sudden you then hear this word that God has come speedily with to provide, and that's the beauty of what we talked about before: how God comes speedily to David then and there to provide comfort for him there, but comfort that reminds him of, the, of God's presence with him then, but God's presence with him for all eternity. So a good reminder to you, our listeners, verses one through four are powerful words for us all to share, because we you know, to pray, because we can pray them. The Lord wants to hear these prayers. So I would definitely encourage you to keep 12 in your back pocket for you to be able to when those moments that do happen um, where you feel like you're surrounded by evil, but yet we know that the Lord indeed saves. And that, but don't end on verse four. We continue on. So verses five through six, the Lord speaks, and we know it's always good when the Lord speaks. Verses five and six. 
Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord Yahweh. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord Yahweh are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. So we'll stop there. We 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 have a number of uh, directions we could go. Where do you want to begin? Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a beautiful, you know, that pause, and then all of a sudden we see here, and we, we, we see this many times in the New Testament, where, where our Lord is moved by compassion. You know, this, the great what Greek word we've talked about, we know this, you know, at the seminary, it's just, it's, a, it's an onomatopoeia of sorts, right? The slachna, the, the mm. pouring out of guts that, you know, that our Lord gives to us. And so what we see is we know that David has prayed to this Lord that it promises to hear him, this Lord who promises to be merciful, who promises to save. And then you hear then the words of, of Yahweh to David. He says, I have seen the poor. They have been plundered. And so it's poor, poor of spirit. We see this in the Sermon on the Mount. Is, is you know, we as Christians oftentimes, you know, we'll, we'll look at it in a different way to say, well, how do I become rich in these particular things? And, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Um, but looking at it and saying, the Lord has assessed it, and what he realizes is that we are poor, poor in spirit, poor in terms of our, our resources, poor in terms of the words that we have to pray. We see that he sees that we've been plundered because there's people who would, would steal the truth from us and would, would deny the word of, of God. Um, and, and the needy are groaning. And I think that's such a wonderful thing as we see this, is that, you know, the, where the Holy Spirit interprets our prayers with groanings too deep for words. I, it's such wonderful stuff is that, you know, the mother who, who, who struggles, you know, that, you know, that our Lord knows what, uh, the Lord knows what that means. And he comes speedily with that, with, with, with that comfort that, that we so desperately need. As we said before, our Lord knows what we our need before we even pray. But then we then see this in the latter part of that verse. You then see, well, I now will arise. But that's sort of a, there's a double meaning in that. I will arise, in other words, I'm coming to you. And that's the important word, I come to you. But then there's also the other meaning of this is to say, and I will raise up one for you amongst your people who will come to provide these things to you on earth. And of course, that in that particular verse, he's saying, I will raise up for myself my own Savior, namely Jesus Christ. And it's kind of weird because Yahweh's speaking this, and he's saying, I'll raise up me, and another time later, but I'm also with you here. <laughs> and such yeah. a wonderful thing that's being given to, to, to David of reassurance, but also for us who read these words, to understand that our Lord is here now, our Lord is here tomorrow, our Lord is here forever. And then the other thing, too, is what a great word. I mean, my gosh, how often have we talked about safety over the last mm. 359 days? Safety. Uh, you know, and if, if nothing more, we get a good chance to look at and have a sort of a, a minor indictment of the things that we think make for our safety, as opposed to what it is that our Lord says makes for our safety. Because he's actually saying here, I'm going to set them up in the safety, namely of my church. And in that safe harbor, I will give them, you know, all the, all the great benefits of, of the of the, of, the, of the shield of faith and the breastplate of righteousness and all those things. But what's so wonderful and interesting about that is that those are war implements. And our Lord is saying, I'm preparing you for the war that is 
and will be. And I will provide you safety even in the midst of the war. And how desperately do we need that right now, Pastor Finneran, to understand that, you know, what we see now, what David saw then, will be until the last day. But our Lord provides us with peace and with comfort, certainty, and true safety against anything that this world and the flattering lips of this world can throw at us, the devil included as well. And as we look at that, one of the beauties of the Psalms is it does not deny the reality of brokenness, of pain, of war, of, of, of evil words, evil thoughts, evil deeds, the whole deal. It never denies any of that. But there is the promises that we see. First of all, I will now arise, meaning I'm coming for you in a good way. You know, this is a, this is a police officer coming to you. I mean, we're, you know, I tell you what, this is kind of, I'll take a step back your past. It's kind of funny. I was expecting more Hulk Hogan, Batman, and Superman quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we've, really, <laughs> we've really hit the police officer quotes uh, pretty well today. But anyways, is that yeah. there's a comfort in knowing that I will now arise shows us one, the Lord is coming for us and he's coming with his grace. You know, he's coming with nail driven hands. He's not coming as one who is coming to, um, um, to, to pass judgment more upon us, but coming to save us. And that's what he asked for. And that he will place us in safety, which shows us that the world is not safe, but the Lord is the one who does bring safety. And that is something we've been really longing for. How many days did you say that 500 and yeah, yeah. 569 as of yesterday. There it is, 569 days. And there we we know the Lord has pulled us through this and keeps us safe, and, and he'll continue to do so, as it says. Pastor, I did want to ask one, another question based on verse 6. It points us sure. to two things, the words of the Lord. So he describes how they are and then gets into language that we don't, I mean, I don't, at least I haven't purified any metal anytime recently. Um, so he speaks about it purified seven times. How would you, if someone were to ask you about verse six, what does that mean? What would you, what would you tell them? Yeah, no, it's, it's good. We've been talking an awful lot about this at Calvary and, and anybody who's listening are probably snickering to themselves because they know what I'm going to say, but you know, um, <laughs> You see, you see here, first and foremost, you see a juxtaposition, that the words of men are lies. The words of men are flattery. That which comes from our sinful hearts cannot possibly fulfill. But yet, the words of the Lord are pure. They are holy, wonderful, perfect, and unfailing. They provide for us now. They provide for us ever. And then this is where the people of Calvary will snicker, because then you get into this language of, of silver refined and and purified seven times, okay? So, you know, what else does the law do? But it purifies us, it, it refines us, it, it, it burns off um, and, and reveals to us that which is causing, um, is causing this impurity. And, and that's a beautiful thing, because what, what Christ is doing, and he restores us by virtue of our baptisms, we are perfect, we are holy already in baptism. And I think that's one of the things that as Lutherans, we really have a good understanding of that that I have been made to be perfect and declared to be holy by the words of God given to me in baptism. And then you get to that purified seven times, and then I just say to the people at Calvary, it just means that he purified, you know, his, his words don't need to be purified, but it's just to say they're really pure and it's really super good. It's, <laughs> it's just yeah. to say, you know, they're purified. It's just another fancy way of saying they're perfect. They're wonderful. It's for you. Now, as you look at this again, we hear the purified seven times. 
Seven is a, a big number in the scriptures. How would you describe that to people? Yeah, I think, you know, as you look at it in terms of, you know, we, we do the one-year lectionary here at Calvary, and, and of course, you know, our Lord creates the, the world in six days and rests on the seventh, but, you know, um, so seven is this, this number of perfection, but we also see it in terms of, of, of the book of Daniel, where you see seven times 70. Peter will ask the question of, well, how often should I, I, I forgive my neighbor, seven times 70, et cetera, and so on. So this language of seven, you know, here in, in the book of Psalms is, is simply saying, okay, um, looking at it and saying, okay, this is all tied inseparably to not just the creation, but the redemption and the salvation. And it goes back to that first word of the first verse. The salvation is given to us in the divine service, that we have heaven on earth through the divine service, where Jesus comes to us. And we talked about it a couple, couple of weeks ago, where we were talking about Jacob's ladder, and, and the book of Hebrews addresses this too, that, that Jesus is the fulfillment of that ladder. From heaven to earth, our Lord comes to, to provide and to give us the very gifts of heaven right here on earth. And we saw that last week where, where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, where he's talking about the paralytic. I say this to you that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And we need to hear that because to just think that God is a God that's far away does us no real good. But to understand that he is incarnate, that he took upon flesh, bore our sin, and suffered it on the cross for us and delivers that here on earth helps us within that day-to-day as we go forward. As we look at verses 5 and 6, the Lord speaks, and he says, I will now arise. And I, I did not find this anywhere, but I did find it interesting of the comfort we have as Christians of the the, the resurrection, you know, that this, yeah. I, will, I will now arise, meaning he's coming for us, but also to realize that he rose as well. And then finally, we will rise too. Um, any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I couldn't help but see that and not think of Jesus as I read this psalm. So any, any thoughts? Yeah. No, I, that's great. I think that's a great observation because, yes, we do. I mean, what, uh, what other great hope do we have as we, as we attend the funeral of a loved one, uh, especially one who has died in the faith, to know that we will be raised? I mean, we are Christ is the firstborn, but we are the sons of that. We are the inheritors of that very promise that we, too, will rise again. Uh, to be with our Lord forever in heaven. And then I think it's, it is absolutely wonderful. Um, and, and it's a, a spot on observation. All right. Anything else with the first six verses, Pastor, before we get to the end? I think, uh, yeah, I, I can't think of anything offhand. I thought maybe you had another uh, police officer uh, um, idea that might have propped up in your mind. <laughs> it's one, of, one of those things, too, where, you know, you're starting to learn from me, Pastor Finner, and that, you know, once you, you know, whether it works or whether it doesn't, you're like, well, you know, it's familiar, it becomes familiar. You start to realize that you keep going back to the same well. <laughs> exactly right. So, All right. Well, let's read the, the last two verses. And uh, then we'll come back around for some practical thoughts as we look at chapter uh, Psalm 12. You, O Lord Yahweh, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side, the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. Now, I'll say this, that, that it kind of ends strangely. 
you know, it doesn't end with like this, this sure and certain hope, like in, ver- in chapter, and that's chapter, I always say chapter when I do in Psalms, Psalm 11, it ends in verse 7 of, of Psalm 11, for the Lord is righteous, he loves righteous deeds, the upright shall behold his face. I mean, what a, what a great way to end a Psalm. This one, it just basically says, yeah, there's going to be a wickedness surrounding you in every corner. Amen. And you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is crazy. So let's let's right. get to that. But I just wanted to admit that now so we can touch on it later. But verse seven obviously gives us much comfort and hope. What kind of comfort and hope do we have? Well, you know, it's one of those things, the great repetition that we see within Holy Scripture is that, you know, if, if you know, what, the, what our Lord does is he, you see it as you look at that, as, as you look at that verse three times, you, O Lord, you will keep them. So in other words, what we're seeing is, is we have this sort of trifold understanding where David's lament is be, has been heard, and the answer to the question of, Lord, save us, is answered in, okay, who's going to do the saving? And we know this. As Christians, of course, we know that. But you, Yahweh, O Lord, you will keep them. And so that's, there's, there's another key, language, key word that's in there, too, is that what, what is it that we look at it in terms of, you know, um, is it our job to keep these statutes, to keep this? That Well, well no, not in, a, not in a, any sort of sense other than to understand this goes back to the sort of safety that was talked about. I keep you in safety. I keep you in protection. I keep you and watch over you. I provide for all that you need for this body and life. Um, I will guard you from this generation forever. And, and so when he talks about this generation, it's, he's talking about it saying, an evil generation, a, a, um, a, a proud generation, et cetera, so on. I will keep you from that. But then the question is, how does he keep us from that? And the answer, of course, very simply is he keeps us from that by keeping us, retaining us within the, the, the confines of the Holy Christian Church and continuing to give us the good gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation that are, that's bestowed to us so freely within the divine service. That's the beauty of the divine service is that we're reminded that we don't serve the divine but the divine serves us. And how does he serve, mm-hmm. serve us? But yet with this guarding, with this keeping, with these, and, 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 and all these the fulfillments of everything that David has prayed uh, to this particular point. I think this is important too, as you say that so beautifully with the divine service, um, the worship service, is that it's a good reminder for me that when I'm hearing the word, for example, this Sunday, I have a Sunday off and I'm going to be able to worship with my whole family. Um, mm. And I uh, just ask for your prayers there because pastors are one of the worst worshipers. <laughs> we don't tend to yeah. listen very yeah. well, but a good uh, uh, proclamation to myself will be I'm here and I'm receiving pure words and these pure words will purify me on account of Christ. Um, that's just a good reminder for all of us that when we're in the Word, as we are right now, that these are pure words. I can sit and watch the news, watch some kind of crazy movie. I can listen to my friends speak. And all these words are not all evil, but there's, there, there's, there's, you know, I don't know if they're pure or not. But when I'm in the house of the Lord and we're hearing the Word of God, those are all pure. That's a sermon that I need to tell myself. Any of your thoughts, Pastor, before we get to the last verse? No, and you're right about that, right? Because you, you, you're you're looking at it and saying, you know, really, you, you know, it, it does seem to end abruptly, you know, with, uh, you know, um, and, you know, there's no, we're given, and I don't know whether it's because we're Americans, because we, we've grown up with Disney or, or the Hollywood movies, where we're always looking and seemingly looking for the, and they lived happily ever after. 
But, yeah. but it's there. It absolutely is there. It's, it is this happily ever after. But it does address in verse 7, well, yes, it is happily ever after. But yet, until the happily ever after, now all these things are given to you, whether that's, you know, you have that opportunity. And I always think about that. I tell people at Calvary all the time, and one of the greatest gifts that I have, although I don't listen as well as I should, is to have that opportunity, because I do an awful lot of talking in the divine service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yep, you that's know, true. Right? You know, yep. but, but, but for you who listen today and to know this, your pastor needs this word as much as you do, if not more, to be able to see and to understand where our strength is coming from, because we're all inclined to think that our strength resides in us. We're all inclined to think that we are the Savior. Um, that, that, it's, that it's up to us to go do the saving. But the reality is, is that it's, it's, it's completely opposite, that it is the Lord who will keep us. You, you, O oh Lord, three times we're reminded of, uh, of that. You'll guard us. You'll keep us. And it's not protecting us from this generation in terms of, you know, you don't ever have to deal with them. But what he means is you will be protected as you interact with them, as you see this wickedness, as you hear these words which are scathing. As you yourself are persecuted, you will be partake, you will be protected and guarded, even as you are sent out into this world, into this wicked generation, to, to simply be able to speak that which was spoken to you. And I think there's so little pressure with that to be able to realize we're only speaking that which has first been spoken to us, that Christ our Lord is merciful and gracious and just, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. It's for me and it's for you. All these wonderful things are there. And, and then he does. He does cap it with that thing that, you know, the last verse that you had mentioned, I think, so 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 rightly. It, it ends in a very strange way. Um, so maybe we can look at that yeah, uh, now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so what are your thoughts on how we how he ends this? It's very, very real, very earthy. And it's, it's much like um, when someone comes and visits their pastor or another Christian um, or your, your child comes and talks to you is the reality at the end of that conversation, when you bring the word of God, the reality is still there. The kid has to go back to school. They has to go back and maybe face some of these words. The person has to go back for cancer treatment. They have to go back to all of that. Um, but yet, you know, that's that's reality. So, Pastor, in about a minute before we get to the final review, what are your thoughts on the last verse? Yeah, just real quick, I've been listening to um, a cosmologist named John Lennox, and he said one of the reasons that most people go away from the Christian church is because the Christian church is not giving any answers. Mm-hmm. But I think this verse really helps us, because we're saying, yes, you know what, this word is true for you here. And you know what, I as your pastor, we as your church, you and your family, we're going to stand with you as you go through this chemotherapy, as you go through this, as you go out into this wicked world, which then the last verse says, the wicked want wander, wander around in this world. And so what, what that helps us to see is that we can look at them with mercy. They're wandering as zombies, really. Wandering aimless, like a ship without a captain or a, she- or a, a, a sheep without a shepherd. And what they call wise is actually foolish. And although it's exalted by mortal men, don't forget what it is that I've just told you, that the word of God is pure and true and holy. And all of that, that, that pureness and trueness and holiness is actually delivered to us right here in this body and life um, and will be maintained and kept in that until the end. 
Pastor, as you look at this psalm, when would be a time that you would encourage one of your members, family members, anybody that you know, to pray Psalm 12? When would you tell, encourage them to do so? October 19th, 2021, today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where, where you know, you look at that and say, you know, the Word of God, whatever it is, is always right on time. And it's always needed, you know, in terms of that consolation and comfort. And I think for those who are listening today, and, and, and you know, so many of you are out, who are out there, to understand and to apprehend, um, I think the thing that we've talked about before, how eager our Lord is to hear you, how much he knows what it is that you suffer. That's the beauty of our Lord's incarnation. And what Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, he is a servant. He is a suffering servant. He has bore all these things. By his, by his pain and by his suffering, we are healed. By his stripes, we have received this redemption. And to, to be able to cast our cares before him as one who knows that suffering and provides the relief for that suffering and the guarding and the protecting for us every single day. You know, what, what better day than today, October 19, 2021, or tomorrow for that matter. Um, but the Psalms are an embarrassment of riches that we have been given as the children of God to be able to pray in a way that is, is, is very simple and straightforward um, with this full reliance that he knows what we suffer and is pleased, if nothing more, to hear us and to grant what we pray for. Pastor Adam DeGroat of Calvary Lutheran Church of Rio Rancho, New Mexico, helping us to pray this morning in Psalm 12. Pastor DeGroat, thank you again for bringing his gifts. Saints of our Lord, keep praying. Although sin surrounds us and wickedness is all too real, do not fear. The Lord saves in Christ. The Lord keeps you in Christ. And the Lord will guard you forever with our Lord Jesus. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.